Father, we come to you with a thanks this morning. First of all, a thanks for our mothers and for the mothers that are our spouses. Lord, it's an amazing calling that you give and it is a lifelong wounding that uh, is the sweetest wounding we ever get to be forever subject to the little ones that you've sent into our lives. Lord, I pray for our mothers today that they will have stamina and great hope and they will not become discouraged when their youngsters make some of the mistakes that you made or even worse some of the mistakes that their fathers made as they go from being helpless infants into adorable youngsters into smart but still engaging adolescents into teenagers who seem to only know how to roll their eyes into young adults who both thrill us and distress us with what they do until the day they finally look at you and say everything I am I owe to my mother Lord I thank you for that I thank you for my mother I thank you for Alicia the mother of my children and I thank you for all the other mothers here Lord bless them May they continue to prosper. Preserve them. We need them. Lord, there are others today. We've mentioned the names before. Howie Baez particularly comes to mind. Give him rest and peace today. And Lord, bless us as we turn our minds to your word. Help us to be awake and aware and on task. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 24 today. We're going to work our way through this passage. The point is really in the title, that we would be aware, that we would be awake, and that we would be on task. So let's go right to the text. Matthew 24, verse 1. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. It's a reminder to us. A reminder to us of the monuments we build to ourselves. And when we take pride in the wrong things. Now, we are in the mil- middle of building monuments, but not to us, of building, of building buildings in this place so that the children of those mothers have a place to experience and learn and grow. But let us never forget, these are not the permanent things. We're not building the new Jerusalem here. Let us never become too attached to the things we make. And let us never become attached too much to to the monies we earn. Because it's all part of the same reality. In the end, when Jesus establishes his kingdom, these are not the things that last. The things that last are the people that come through these spaces. 
Verse 3, now as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? It's actually an interesting question they asked them. They, they actually asked two questions, and I'm not sure if they knew that. They asked, uh, when will these things be about the temple? And tell us about your coming in the end of the age. But we can understand that because none of us understands everything. And they were asking questions from the basis of what they knew. But Jesus is going to give them an answer to both questions. And it's an answer that they're not actually completely capable of understanding. We're far more capable of understanding, but I don't know that we are even completely capable of understanding the answer. Verse 4, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. And I want to just start right there. I want to put that on you as a very important phrase that Jesus is saying in this. The reason Jesus is telling them is so that they will not be deceived. Now, sometimes we are of a mindset that it is very hard to not be deceived. But what I want to suggest to you that Jesus is saying here is that it's actually not that hard to avoid deception. It's not that hard except for the fact that our hearts love to run after deception. But let's go on here and see what he says. Verse 5, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Okay, so the first thing I want you to get in your head as you're thinking about being aware is be aware that there will be deceivers. Not everyone that comes to you and seems sincere is sincere. Sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes it's not. But in the context of believing in Jesus... Jesus says, beware, many will come and claim to be the Christ. Well, we just throw out an obvious example. David Koresh came along and convinced many that he was this new Messiah. Let's go on. Verse 6. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. Now, this is one of the things also I want you to be very aware of because it's very easy for us to get caught up in the realities of our day and in the things that go on in our day because the realities of our day impact us very directly. We watch the news. It's very impactful to us. But I want you to recognize one of the things that Jesus is saying here that will save you from deception. And that is, not everything that happens is a specific sign. Not everything that happens in the world is relevant to God's eternal purpose. The evening news and the Bible are not equivalent sources. What Jesus is telling us here is that wars and strife and pestilence and nations against nations are not signs of the end, they're normal reality. Did you notice that? Did you notice that in what he said? He said, 
You will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you're not troubled, for these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. These are not the signs of the end. Strife in the world is not a sign of the end. Strife in the world is a sign of sin in the world. So don't be confused. Pretty sure everybody that went through the Civil War in the United States figured that was a sign of the end. It wasn't, was it? Pretty sure everybody who went through World War I thought that was a sign of the end. It wasn't. Pretty sure everybody that went through World War II thought that was a sign of the end. But it wasn't. It was a sign of normal. It was a sign of what happens in a world where there's sin. Now it goes on, verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. So these are pretty terrible descriptions here. Unfortunately, these are the descriptions of normal. This is what the world will be like after Jesus until he comes again. So when you see these things happening, realize we're in the time after Jesus before he comes again. Now, I want to make a little point here on verse 12 because it's, it's very significant. It says, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Now, I want to connect something for you in your mind here that you sh- that, so you can understand. I want to connect law and love because we talk a lot about love and sometimes we get a little uncomfortable when we talk about law and, and getting it into the wrong place. And I really want to encourage a lot of you to come to the upper room after this because the sermon I'm going to do there is actually different than what I'm doing here, and it's going to build a little bit off of this. It'll be all right if you weren't here, but if you are here, it'll be even all the more because I want to talk a little bit about law and a little bit about love over there in that. But so, so he's saying here, because of lawlessness and because it abounds, the love of many will grow cold. Well, what does this mean? What I want to suggest to you is that when we live and when society lives as a society, contrary to God's purpose, contrary to the law he's given us, which he spells out for us, the net result is that love in our hearts grows cold. When we do not live according to the way God has set out for us, we we grow cold inside. I'll give you an example of this, and this is kind of an extreme example. But one of the things that has been shown in this era with this epidemic reality of pornography within our culture is that love, as in intimacy, is growing cold. The people that are more caught up in this have grown cold on the inside. It destroys intimacy. When we engage ourselves in sin, it destroys love in our hearts. When I harbor anger in my heart, what does it do for love? Love grows cold. When I live contrary to God's purpose, love grows cold. And that's what we see in the world. The world that seeks to say, there can be no law on me, I will live any way I want, then long-term net result is a coldness. Let's go on. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. But now I want you to notice verse 14 because this is the most important verse 
so far in this chapter. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Do you see what happened there? See, we tend to think, oh, war, sign of the end. Pestilence, sign of the end. Everything going wrong, sign of the end. No, no, no. Jesus says that stuff is the sign of normal. The sign of the end is that the gospel of the kingdom is preached in all the world. So, you want to participate in this process of bringing this time of normal to the end? Then be involved in preaching the gospel to the world. Okay, what exactly does that mean? Well, I suppose on one hand it means to all the places in the world, but I suppose on the other hand it also means, maybe it means your neighbor. We don't know for sure exactly what the Lord is waiting on, what he means by this, but what he's saying is the task of believers is not to sit around and look at everything terrible and say, oh, the end must be near. Okay, guys, it's been terrible for a long time. Okay, we didn't invent terrible. It's been terrible for 2,000 years since Jesus was here, and it was terrible before that. All right? Unfortunately, in a world of sin, that's called normal. The gospel of the kingdom is what's abnormal. And that's what drives this whole reality. Let's go on. Verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. This section, Jesus is now keying in on the reality of the destruction of Jerusalem. Let him who is on the housetop not go down and take anything out of his house, and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But now then, he bridges out of this into the larger reality. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall it be. So we kind of take out of that. We think, well, surely this tribulation is worse. Well, it's been tribulation for a long time. And it seems as though there will be a tribulation, a time of tribulation at the end. But what exactly that looks like, we're not sure. Verse 22, and unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So here he comes back to that again. Don't get so afraid and caught up in the realities of the things going on around you that you become subject to religious conspiracy theories. There are deceivers who love to go around, especially after something happens that upsets us on a deep level, and spin these little tales. And they love to do it in the church. They love to come into the church and say, yeah, what they're telling you from the front, don't buy that. Now, I will say this. Don't necessarily believe everything I say because I said it. You need to listen to a lot of different people. You need to read the Word for yourself. But... Don't believe that person you don't know or you hardly know that comes up to you and says, everybody can't be trusted. I'm the only one you can trust. Why would you trust the one person you hardly know and reject the ones that you do? Do you see the trap? Jesus says deceivers will come. Don't be one of those people who falls for deception. It says... 
False Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, the elect. But he goes on, verse 25, See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, Look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner room, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. So what Jesus is telling us is Christianity is not the secret religion. It's the obvious reality of faith in Jesus Christ who died for your sins. Stay there. Don't get drawn off. And this idea that only this little subset that believes this crazy little teaching is going to be the one saved, don't get drawn off. Stay centered in Jesus and with the promise that the coming of the Lord is not a secret, the coming of the Lord will fill the sky. Don't get drawn off. Because what happens in the secret place? Death waits in the secret place. How many stories of cults have you ever heard about where people get drawn off into something and it builds and it builds and it builds and and finally the leader just has to kill everybody off because he can't keep it going? Death waits in the secret place. Stay with the people. Verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the power of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. I love the contrast here. You have the reality of the world that seeks to destroy and the world that is caught up in this this endless round of strife. When they see the Son of Man coming, they're filled with grief. But the elect... When they see the Son of Man coming, they are waiting as the angels go out and gather them to be a part of this eternal kingdom. Verse 32, now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the door. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Okay, this is an example of one of those passages. It's a little hard for us to know exactly what he, what he meant there. Which generation is he talking about? A lot of people have speculated one or another or somewhere. But here's the deal. Don't get caught in the speculation game. And here's the reason that I tell you that, because the very next verse is this, verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Okay? Don't get caught in the date-setting game. Don't get caught in the, well, I'm not really setting a date, but because of this, I'm telling you this. Don't get caught in the wildness. Why? We'll get to that right here at the end. Let's keep going. Verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. 
For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now I want you to think about this for a second. The description here is pretty much a description of normal, right? I mean, there's a world full of of trouble. There's a world full of problems. But what's being described here, as in the days of Noah, for before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. So based on this, we should expect that as we get closer and closer to the coming of the Lord, yes, there may be indications on the one hand, but on the other hand, it's going to look like things are going along kind of normal. Because how would we be, how would anyone be deceived if in fact everything was radically different? So it's kind of an interesting comment, isn't it? Verse 40, then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. So that's why I say, be awake and be aware. Be aware that there's deceivers, but don't fall for the deceptions. Stay with the basic realities, the basic outline that Jesus has given us. Stay within the reality. Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, died for our sins, forgiveness in Him. He will come again. Stay in that space. Don't let anybody lead you out of it. And be awake knowing that He's coming again. Now, what does that mean? What should we be doing? Well, for the sake of time, let's skip down to verse 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. All right, so Jesus is going to wrap this thing up. He said, all right, there's going to be a time of tribulation that's going to go a long time. And I can't tell you exactly when it ends because only the Father knows that. But you need to be faithful. You need to watch out for deceivers. You need to stay within the the realm of what I have given you in Scripture, what I've revealed in my life, Jesus says. Stay in there. But what are we supposed to be doing? All right, so he wraps it up with explaining to us what we're supposed to be doing while we're waiting. We're awake, we're aware. Now what do we do? What's the task? He says, the faithful and wise servant is the one that the master, he puts over the house, and that servant's job is to give food to the other servants when they need it. In other words, what what he's saying here is those of us that are believers, God has given us tasks to do in his kingdom. And whatever he's given us to do in his kingdom, our task is to be doing it when he comes again. Okay? Our job is not to try to figure out exactly when he's coming. Our job is to understand what he's called us to do and do it faithfully until he gets back. That's how the gospel of the kingdom gets preached in all the world, when the people of God are faithful to their calling. And what Jesus is saying is you want to not be deceived then stay on task. Keep doing what I've given you to do. If I've given you the task of of getting up in front and preaching, he gave me that job. Then I keep doing this until the day Jesus comes, or until the day my life ends. 
She's given Alicia a task right now to teach. She keeps doing it. She's given other people tasks to, to raise children. You keep doing it. She's given other people tasks to be administrators over organizations. You keep doing it in the name of the Lord and you keep doing it righteously. Other people have been given tasks to serve in other ways within the church. You keep doing it. Now what happens if you get off task and distracted? Well, look at this, verse 48. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming. See, this is what happens to people who fixate on when Jesus is coming because they don't have a faith that will carry them through. They only have a faith that will carry them to a certain point. Don't focus on the point. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and to drink with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, let's wrap this up. Be awake and know that we are living in the days when the Lord is to come again. And we have reason to believe, based on certain prophecies and understandings of prophecies, that we are towards the end of those days. But the larger point is, all of the days since Jesus was here are the days of the, the time of the end when Jesus will come. And the normal reality of this time is wars, rumors of wars, and other things. Don't chase after that stuff. Stay focused on the task that Jesus has given you. So be awake to the reality Jesus is coming. Be aware that there are people who want to deceive you. But also know the very best way to stay faithful is to keep doing the things Jesus has asked you to do until he comes. Now, I can't go into all the other prophecies and things. We don't have time for that today as to why we believe we are in those last days. And I do believe we are. But so did my grandfather, who died at 96. So I don't know. The one thing this passage tells me clearly is no one knows. But the other thing it says very clearly is until it happens, Keep doing what I've given you to do. And when I come, I will reward you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, wake us up. Make us aware and help us to be on task. You have trusted us with important things. We want to be part of carrying your gospel to the world. Lord, we pray your coming will be soon so that you can put an end to the normal of a world of sin and bring in the normal of a world where Jesus is King. We will continue to try to be your faithful servants and we will try to do the tasks you've given. Forgive us when we fail. Lift us back up and help us to try again. In Jesus' name, amen.